What is good, my peoples? Welcome to another edition of the Green Beige Podcast. As you can see, we have a full house here. We have lots of our friends in the in the building. AJ is bedecked in his in his Arsenal jersey. So as always, let's get the introduction properly. That is AJ. He is the green. I am Ken. I am the beige. And then we have Ricky Nurse. Ricky, what's happening? I'm good. Good evening. Good evening, everyone. Yes, so welcome, good. welcome. And thank you, Justin. Welcome as well. How are you doing, sir? I like to see how men can come in polo shirts or short t-shirts in October. <laughs> That's not an option for me at all. <laughs> must, be, must be nice, right? Jeez, oh, bro, these long sleeves. It's like the house. <laughs> yes, for those of you who are not in the U.S., and especially those not in Texas, um, it's getting a little bit nippy in the mornings and the evenings in most of these places. I don't know what sort of temperatures you're enjoying, Justin, but I know that I, I'm still getting 70s and 80s in the middle did, of the day. Did not crack 50 today. Did not crack 50. <laughs> yeah, I don't want any part of that kind of action at, at all. So yeah, fellas, you know, today our episode is called It's Just One Game because that is what these coaches and these players like to come into the media and say, it's just one game. Regardless of, you know, you win, you win big, like mm-hmm. some did this weekend. It's just one game. Or you lose terribly like others. You know, it's, it's just one game. So we can get into that. Plus, we do have a conversation um, about loyalty. What is loyalty in today's sporting um, landscape? But we have to go off the rip. Off the rip is where we always start every week. And this week, off the rip, we have to just briefly touch on what was the Green Beach Bowl. Because my New Orleans Saints... This is exactly why I'm dressed like this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel I was going to let Ken make a fool of me by wearing a Patriots jersey. Nah, never that. Say it with your chest, Ken. Say it with your chest. <laughs> of course, I am going to say it with my chest. Because it's not every week that somebody gets shut out. And it's not every week that my Saints shut somebody out either. But in the Green Beach Bowl where the New England Patriots were the hosts of the New Orleans Saints. 34 to nothing. Nothing. Goose egg on that side of the board. Felt so good. Felt so good to see that. I know, AJ, you probably weren't watching very much of it because I... Uh, very much. I didn't even look at how much highlights. of it did you watch? I did not even go back and look at the highlights. I looked at nothing. <laughs> I knew the outcome of that game. I was watching something that I knew would be a little bit more riveting. I don't, know, I don't know the lights were high at all. There was nothing high about those lights whatsoever. About the what? There was nothing high about those oh, lights. Oh, there were highlights. There were low lights then. Yeah. Nah, I didn't. I, no I, what, whatever game was on TV simultaneously, I was watching that. Hmm. Okay. Understood. We, I don't, we don't, I don't, to be fair, if I did have like the, that feed, like if, oh, if I did have that game on Chiefs, TV, I would have watched it. But Chiefs Vikings. Could have been that one then. No, I, I, didn't, I didn't even watch the Chiefs. So what was it? I can't remember. I have to go back and look at the schedule. But either way, I wasn't going to stream Heart Heart <laughs> Yeah, if it's, if it's one thing that you don't want to do is to go looking for Heart And if the Heart is not just accessible on your TV, then I, I can understand, sir. I mean, we Gunners, we did have a big win this weekend because, you know, we... we took care of Manchester City for the first time in eight years. Um, since 2015, we haven't beaten the Citizens, and it felt really good 
to know that we beat them. But in the spirit of the show's title, it's just one game. So <laughs> now that we've touched on the Green Beach Bowl, let's get into it. So, fellas, the weekend recap. As you know, this is where we recap what happened in some of the games that played this weekend. And you tell me if my headline is cap or not cap. So, this first one is with regards to another team within the division that AJ's Patriots and Ricky's Jets reside. And that is the AFC East, the Buffalo Bills. Now, if you remember, Jets, these Buffalo Bills found a way to lose to Ricky's Jets in week one after Ricky had lost his quarterback after four plays and put a quarterback in there that everybody expected was not going to see the field this season. Then they go over to London where they play against the London Jaguars. We might as well call them that because the Jaguars, they played the most games in London every season. And they lose again. So, Ricky, we start with you because this is your division. The Buffalo Bills can't be trusted. Cap or no cap? Well, it's funny you would say sometimes you can't be trusted at home or abroad, and I would have to say we certainly can't trust them abroad based on what we saw. And I'm beginning to wonder if we can trust them at home. This team is often quick to abort the mission, quick to move away from what works, quick to take the, the strengths that they have in the trenches and forsake it for the big play. Um, once again, we saw the bailout gone away from James Cook, gone away from the dominance that you have at the very core of the sport to chase the downfield to Diggs, downfield to Gabe Davis, a certain style of play that has hurt them for the last three seasons. They reverted to that on the road in Tottenham and it came back to bite them again. I don't know how many times this coaching staff has to see it. Um, it was very, very reminiscent of what we've seen um, between 2021 and 2023. So, yes, I would have to say they can't be trusted because they do not trust themselves to stick to a particular style of football, albeit it may not be the most trendy way to play the game, but it has been proven to be a more successful way of winning games in the NFL. Okay, Justin, do you agree? It's no cap. Same thing like Ricky said, right? Uh, you, you had problems against New York in that, again, what Ricky said, you relied on the big arm of Josh Allen, and that resulted in what two or three interceptions, a couple fumbles. So then you turn around and tell yourself, okay, we need to need to get away from that. And then you start establishing James Cook and, and you saw the results. But again, I like to always say when in times of peril, you see who you truly are and what do you do? Like you fall behind against Jacksonville and you go back to the same things you do over and over again, looking for that big play with Gabe Davis, looking for that big play with Stefan Diggs and you run yourself in trouble. And the hurtful thing, like Ricky said, is like you have the ability to establish your lane of scrimmage. But the problem is that you don't do it in practice, clearly, because what happens? You're not running football, so your defensive practice is not a custom facing run. So then what happens with teams that can actually run the football? Jacksonville gashed them. Like, like Etienne had a field there on them, and they know that because Etienne is on my fantasy team, 
and help me to yet another win in your fantasy league, okay? I can tell you this, I sat on a watch and smile. I, I was thinking, hmm, should I bench Etienne? I said, no, play any Buffalo Bills. This is how I'm going to run, run well. It's so sad, so done. Because your defense is not accustomed to facing a rushing attack in practice. They can't stop the run. It, it, it is like, by talent, this to me is still the best unit in the AFC East, but I can't trust them when, when, when in, in playoff matches. You can't start the run. You refuse to run the football. And then, no, on top of that, the strength of this team really, to me, no, was in the defense. But now you've lost Tredavious White for the season. I know Matt Milano. You can't even lean on that now. I am sorry, but I uh, no cap, can I? I can't trust the Buffalo Bills. And I refuse everybody that won the crown the Buffalo Bills after that Miami Dolphins win. I'm like, how do y'all, do y'all forget that opening um, loss to, to the New York Jets? Like, how can you forget that? That has been etched and burned in my memory. I'm not going to trust them. All right. So, score two wins so far for me on this one. AJ, what about you? Cap or no cap? The Buffalo Bills can't be trusted. I, I, why must I be the contrarian in <laughs> for a division rival? I, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to go into the same tactical breakdown that the guys did. But one thing I will say, though, right, is the one, one thing I went to look up after this game, right? Because let, let, let me go back and give you my thought process. Because when I saw that the Bills had lost this game, honestly, I, I, I hadn't even studied the time. I was like, the, the, the Jags actually took this game, the Bills lost. It was only when I went and looked and realized, oh, this game was in London. Because I hadn't even realized that that was an early kickoff, right? You know what was the first thing I went to Google after that? Did the Jaguars stay in London for that week? Listen, <laughs> the fact is the Jaguars played last week. As you said, you call you call them the London London Jaguars, and r- rightfully so, because Shad Khan, as we know, is 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 English. So he can always bring the Jaguars over there. And this time, I don't know what agreement he had with Roger Goodell, but the fact of the matter is these men were able to play a game in London and stay over in London to have their opponents have to fly in to play them. Yes. Well, it's, it's, no, wonder, it's no wonder the men would have gone down. And then, as Justin just eloquently put it, it would have gone back to what they were doing. So, I mean, if you look at it in the semblance of, like, tactically, them just, like, forgetting what it is they're supposed to be good at and then just kind of panicking. Yes, you can say that they can't be trusted, but I think it's cap because a lot of it has to do with the fact that they had to travel to London to play a team who was already settled in London for a week. I honestly do not think the Bills lose that game if it was in Buffalo. Yeah, LA would tell you so too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so, all right, so we got two saying no cap, one saying cap. I actually tend to lean a little bit more towards AJ on this one than I do um, to Ricky and Justin on this one. Because, as AJ pointed out, the fact that the men were able to stay in London and not have to fly anywhere. I do not know. I honestly would like to know how the NFL allowed such a competitive disadvantage to occur for the Bills. Because Jacksonville, when they played against Atlanta in Wembley last week, both teams had to fly. So you understand that both teams would, well, they would be responsible for getting themselves over there with enough time to acclimatize and get accustomed to the time of, you know, the 
time zones and everything, and then both teams should be at hopefully an even position. But when you don't have to go anywhere, you just go back to the crib and just chill, go and eat some fish and chips, run out to the pub and, and have a, a warm beer, and then just roll up you now to Tottenham Stadium when you got another team that would have had to fly themselves over there, that that puts them at a huge disadvantage. So I don't know. I'm not going to go so far as to say that the result changes if they played this on in the states as opposed to playing it over in London. But at the same time, when one team is so greatly disadvantaged, it's very difficult then to make a determination as to really how good the disadvantaged team would have been had they not found themselves in that position. I'll say this on Shad Khan's part. One, obviously, having all these games in London is brilliant on his part because you're trying to expand the market, expand your fan base. And having a fan base outside of the country like, really can't knock that. But why I will push back a bit on the disadvantage, and yes, there's a huge disadvantage. The thing is, Jacksonville had two games in London, right? So if you're going to give me, if I am giving you Roger Goodell, because this is a favorite of Roger Goodell as well, like this helps to grow your fan base in London. If I'm going to get two games in London, if I'm giving up the fact of playing, being away from home at two games in London, you're going to, I'm going to say, look, make these back to back. You're not telling me I'm going to fly out to London twice. Play back, correct. Yeah, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing a London game early season, London game later on. So the mere fact that I'm helping you market the game abroad with two games in london for my team then make sure that these are back to back and i'm not coming back again it only makes sense well i mean then in the case like that it means that the league office and shad can their handshake is to the bill's detriment because there's no way then that you can tell me that i am the team that now has to be the one to face arrested jaguars after I have to flow. Like, if this is going to be the case, then you have to give me a bye week before this game so that when they play and they stay, then I fly in my bye week and we are on even for him and for the next week. I'm glad you brought it out, Ken, because quickly I have one pet peeve with the schedule, right? Go ahead. For the life of me, I don't understand why teams don't get a bye week going into Thursday night games. Like, it only makes sense. Like, why do you continually give teams a short week, have them play Sunday or Monday and then go straight, straight to Thursday. If you're going to have a team play on Thursday, just doesn't it make sense to have them play on Thursday coming out of a bye week? That's, that's just me throwing that out of there. Yeah, I agree with that 100% because there was some conversation about that. I remember when they had started pushing these Thursday games that you were going to have a bye week, that you are going to play the Sunday, then have the bye week, and then play the Thursday, then you have the mini bye because you have like 10 days if you're playing the Sunday or 11 days if you're playing the Monday. Clearly, within the last negotiations, that has gone through the window because we don't see that happen. It never happens anymore. And teams are often playing this Sunday, Thursday rotation, which is terrible for them. And then they will come back and say that they're doing things in the name of player safety. Anyhow, we will move on from that one from the Bills getting smoked over across the pond to a team that got smoked right here in the u.s that was the game i played in santa clara no it's just one game every time it's just one game except 
when we're looking at the Dallas Cowboys. Because the Dallas Cowboys has never won game. The Dallas Cowboys, they are chicken licking. The sky is always falling. And because they had to play against the San Francisco 49ers, well, we saw the cracks in the bright blue well before they got there. So I am I'm not even going to go too far into this fellas. We saw what happened. 42 to 10. This is after they got blown out, beaten really badly in the playoffs last season. Dallas Cowboys seem unable to beat the San Francisco 49ers. So just saying cap or no cap. The Dallas Cowboys, they're not even a top three team in the NFC. No cap. Like reality situation. When you talk about top three teams in the NFC, obviously you're talking about the said aforementioned 49ers, and I don't think this is a question anymore who's better. They've beaten you the last two playoffs and then molly walked you 42-10 for the entire country to see. The Philadelphia Eagles, who now own your division, and whether Ricky wants to hear me or not, the Detroit Lions, those three teams are comfortably ahead of you. I won't go as far as others as to say Seattle and um, LA Rams just yet, and the surprising Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm going to pump the brakes on those because I think by talent alone, I think Dallas is still better. Like I, I refuse. I don't. I'm hesitant of overreacting because I already knew San Francisco was miles ahead of this team, and this Dallas team is still a playoff team because that defense is very good. It is just that there is a very bad matchup when it comes to play San Francisco 49ers. When you look at how Dallas's defense wins games, they're predicated on speed. They fly all over the park. But when you can out-physical them at the line of scrimmage, which San Francisco 49ers will do on both sides of the scrimmage, like you don't have that advantage. Their advantage is in pass defense. So their pass rushers, um, all led by, we, we, we know, um, Michael Parsons. How do you negate fast pass rushers. You rush right down them. You run the ball down their throat and that's what San Francisco is predicating on doing. And then you get them to thinking with all that pre-snap motion that they do. All those gadgets so you don't know when Christian McCaffrey is in motion, what he's doing when Debo Slavios moves into backfield. When you put Kyle Hughes on the lane and then you motion him out. Why do you have no idea what's going on? And footballers will tell you, you don't want to think, you just want to react. But when you see all these players in motion that are lining up all different places, you've got to stop and think. San Francisco just is a very bad matchup for them. Yeah, they're not as good as Detroit, as good as San Francisco, as good as Philadelphia, but I think this is still a playoff team. But to answer your question, like, no cap, they're not top three team in the NFC. What about you, Ricky? Yes, I agree. No cap. Um, I do agree they're not they're not top three, and I think there's a, a bigger question at play here. Um Who's calling the offensive plays for Dallas? What's you know, Ricky. Ricky, don't pretend. You, you, know, you, you know who's calling. What's, what's the offensive philosophy for Dallas? Because we, we, we zone in on the San Francisco game. But the Arizona Cardinals game told us something. All right? It spoke to us before the, the, the national, um, the, the island game um, that we had on Sunday night. Um, and... Until we understand the offensive philosophy, uh, from the moment you allowed your OC to leave and go to the LA Chargers, who are now among the top three offenses in the league this season so far after five weeks, um, I question, will Dallas have the kind of balance that you need in the postseason? 
to make a postseason run because right now it's a lopsided operation that you're putting out on the field every single week. You're, you're, you're asking your defense to somehow hold the opponent to a manageable number and then you hope and pray that your offense can find a way to muster up points. And that's, that's, that's not a strategic plan. Well, who's, the head, who's the head coach, Ricky? <laughs> Sir, when I watch that game, each quarter, the OC and the head coach look like different people. <laughs> <laughs> what say you, AJ? Cap or no cap? Well, Ken, you put me in a very precarious situation. I, I can't miss, I can't call cap right now because minutes before we went on, you asked me for for my, my uh, power rankings, my five... And I have three NFC teams in there. So there's no way right now. And the thing is, before before I came on, I was like, let me I know I know these men can say no because that's the truth. But let me try to make a case for the Cowboys. And and I couldn't. Because I couldn't in good faith put them in, in my top five where I have three of the NFC teams. This is not cap. Like they're not the thing is, I, I let me not go over everything that these guys already said. I, I think talent wise. Dallas uh, um, is still better than a lot of the other teams, but I probably would have them at fourth at best in the NFC right now. And that's at best, but I know they're not a top three team. That's not cap. Okay. So, well, I mean, I don't really have a whole lot to add here because I never, I didn't think that Dallas was a top three team in the NFC probably from the start of the season. And they have not demonstrated themselves to be that so far this season. So, I mean, we don't have to spend more time on this because we got a lot of... I just, well, I mean, just this real real quick. I just wanted y'all... This is a fun fact that I actually found out yesterday. I didn't realize this. We all know that the Texas Rangers scored more points slash runs <laughs> yes, on, on Sunday night than, than yes. Dallas did. Yeah, no, no, I, no, did. Wow. I did not know that. The, the Rangers beat the Orioles 11-8 that night. 11-8. And, and Dallas scored 10 points. I just... I, I had to bring that in. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Wow. <laughs> That's unfortunate. Rangers made the extra point. <laughs> <laughs> wow, they, went for, they went for two. They went for two. They went for two. That's great. Yeah, that 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 sucks. So I mean, well, of course, you know, Dallas they were missing a couple um, players on defense, and they lost a couple others during that game, which segues nicely into the next topic, the next team here, which is <laughs> the Denver Broncos. The Denver hmm. Broncos. <laughs> There's a, there's a football yeah. program or, or, or Joe Show. Can't be Joe Show that we mentioned Denver Broncos. Can't be Joe. Well, let me tell you, it's something like that because right now the Denver Broncos are not looking like a good unit. This is me trying to be nice and polite as best as I can. Trying to be coffee and then <laughs> you work for the United Nations. Got, he, got me me a, he got me a motley angling for jobbing you in, man. Let me tell you, because right now, these Denver Broncos, they, they sit at, what is their record? One and I'm four, pretty sir. sure they're one and four, because uh, they won a game this season. Overtime victory, yeah? Yeah, they found a way to win a game last week against the Bears. The Bears that, well, up until that game, they don't look like if they had an NFL-worthy offense. They have these Denver Broncos are the same team that gave up 70 points to the Miami Dolphins. And they could have been 73, but 
their former ball boy decided I'm not going to pile on even after 70 points and didn't kick the field goal. But for those that do not live in Denver, you know who's the name that I keep hearing a lot being blamed for what's happening here in Denver? Vance Joseph, the defensive coordinator. I mean, to be fair, you ship 70 points to Miami, you almost lose the game to Chicago, you get beat by the Jets. Sorry, Ricky. I mean, these are the kind of things that will have people calling for your head. But I have to ask you fellas, because obviously you are not here in Denver, so you are not as emotionally invested as the folks around me. So, Justin, we can start with you again on this one. Cap or no cap, Vance Joseph is the scapegoat here in Denver. No cap is is a clear scapegoat because I don't want to start me. Let me get, let me get on here. <laughs> the easiest thing, right, in the NFL, right, when things are going wrong, is to find a black man and blame. It's the easiest thing. So let me push back on this, right? This Vance Joseph talk. The first thing first, huh? Um, because Ken quickly reminded me that Vance Joseph was the head coach in this unit in 2017, 2018. But let me tell you what Vance Joseph did in his first year as the head coach, a defensive-minded head coach in 2017, right? Because y'all thought I didn't have stats for this year, so so what time? I mean, let me show you what time it is here. <laughs> Vance Joseph, right? Despite the fact that the Denver Broncos were in the bottom of the league in terms of points surrendered, right? Vance Joseph's unit in terms of defense was top five in total yards, rushing yards, and passing yards. But the only problem is that they were not creating turnovers while the offense was steadily giving away the ball. So they were towards the bottom in terms of turnover differential. And that was their downfall. 2018, they were poor as a run defense, right? So then you turn over to Vic Fangio, and the team was an elite defense. Then Fangio was fired. We all know Nathaniel Hackett comes in, and he has his own defensive uh, coordinator. Under that guy, that team was also, like Fangio's unit, a top three defensive um unit in the league to the point where there was a stat and i'm sure ricky's the person who showed me had denver scored 18 points in their first 11 games they would have gone 10 and 1. had denver just averaged 18 points in their first 11 games mm -hmm. the team would have been 10 and 1. i want that to sell in guys and this is the same defensive roster no that has now allowed the second most points in the history of the NFL through the first five weeks of a season. The same roster is now allowing the second most points in the history of the league through the league's first five games. I want you to set, I want that to sink in, gentlemen. And what is the change that has transpired between last season and this season, gentlemen? What's the change? The head coach. head coach, head coach, the head, you have a new head coach, and so when everyone said Nathaniel Hackett was a problem, yes, Nathaniel Hackett was a problem offensively along with Russell Wilson. Ricky talked about it in our chat. When players do not want to play for a head coach, this is what you're going to see. And as bad as Nathaniel Hackett was offensively, I want y'all to realize what y'all didn't see on the field yesterday is after the win and after all the Jets. Uh, players high-five the hug Nathaniel Hackett. Do you know what else? Every one of those Denver Broncos also went over and hugged Nathaniel Hackett. You did not see a single Denver Bronco have a, a bad thing to say about Nathaniel Hackett. And they all went over afterwards and 
like they took his hand, hugged him because they all respected him. As much as bad as last season was, you never heard any dissension in the Denver Broncos camp because they all played hard for Nathaniel Hackett. Sean Payton is a complete and utter joke because from the moment that you can walk in the building and the first thing you say is not about the changes you're going to make or not about what you're going to do or how hard you're going to play, the first thing you did was to attack Nathaniel Hackett's regime as if that was something to do. Blasting low-hanging fruit, all you did was to make sure to set up for your downfall and demise. This is a poppy show. And if this was to happen to any coach of color, whether it be a black man, a brown man, or orange man, we would be roasting it, but it is Sean Payton. It is a white Sean Payton who has had Super Bowl success in New Orleans, so we give him a pass. This is, this is all Sean Payton, and it's easy to point to Vance Joseph. When Vance Joseph in his first year was a good defensive coordinator as the head coach, this is all you, your players do not want to play for you. This is, as I said, the roster, defensive roster has not changed, and all of a sudden, no, we are hearing every single defensive player is up to, to, for, for trade. But what about the head coach? And even if you think the defensive coordinator is a problem, who hired him? Who hired him? Who brought Vance Jones and thought that in the year of 2023 that this was going to be a good move? Who brought him in? Sean Payton. What happened to when we heard initially that Sean Payton was going to get the job Who's the player that, who's the coach that we heard was supposed to be coming with him? Vic Fangio was the name that was tossed around that said that he was coming back to Denver. And what did Fangio do? Fangio said he want no part of that and went to Miami. Wanted absolutely no part of Payton in Denver, and rightfully so. Vance Jones is low-hanging fruit. This is all Sean Payton. And the hurtful thing about this, Ken, is that Sean Payton refuses to accept accountability for the mess that is the Denver Broncos. Y'all can put me right. off the show and awake done. That's what you came for. That is what you here to do. If I may also add in, in crafting the narrative, and I know uh, everyone on this panel, we, we follow how it is done. The next person in this relay of blame will be Russell Wilson. Of course. You can, you can best believe that by week seven or eight, the narrative will, will shift from Vance Joseph, who will, who will eventually get that defense to get their act together. And it will shift to Russell Wilson. And you saw shades of that at the end of the Jets game on Sunday, where you called into question um, the way Russ played the second half. You called into question the reads that he was supposed to make. Peyton blatantly made sure to play it up um, for everyone to see. Yeah, sure. Uh, I tell you, man, the damn um, running back is the hot read. Correct. The running back is the hot read. Correct. So you ultimately, what you're doing here is that Peyton is giving himself a free season, giving himself a season to say, hey, this is what I came and found. I told you all before a single game played that this was a hot mess last year. Whether you agree with who I blame it on or not, I already put the narrative out there that this was a hot mess. This was one of the worst situations that you could inherit. So what do you expect from me? Of course, I went to an, an, an 15. <laughs> because you gave me a 0-17 team. The narrative has already been crafted. Uh, Russ will get the blame next. The backup QB will probably be in place by week nine. And Peyton would have garnered a honeymoon season as a result of that masterstroke 
and the media just ate it all up to start the season. Well, you AJ, what do you have to add? Because I'm guessing that this is going to be no cap for you as well. I I am firmly with my brothers here. <laughs> I stand firmly. Um, those I mean those were some very profound thoughts that I have. I don't really have much to add. The only thing I will say that I I don't think I heard anyone say um, outright is that Sean Payton is reeling. It feels to me like he's reeling. Like he doesn't. I, I, I'm, but Ricky just brought to my attention. It could be that he's, and he's a he's a crafty little bugger, you know. So he could very well be doing this to, as they say, control the narrative to get ahead of, you know, mm-hmm. all the excuses that will come. But at the same time, I, I, he, he just seems like he's ruling. That the, the kinds of excuse that's, excuses that he's making, the way he's reacting with with the media as well, generally. The man is the man is almost. It, it seems like he's doing everything in his power to make it seem like to to take the attention off of rather the fact that he's not doing his job, and that and then in, and then with that everyone else is doing and 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 the fact that that one week happened. I'm no no don't don't get me wrong. Denver's defense has been terrible, but a lot of that was due to that that one week. They had a very terrible week. And I'm, I'm, this is not an excuse for them, but obviously that exacerbates the situation. And, and as a result, you're going to see like Vance Joseph taking a lot of that scapegoat there. But it, this this comes down to coaching and Sean Payton. I, the guy is reeling. He's out of control, and I love it. <laughs> let me let me also add though, Ken, that when have you guys ever seen Russell Wilson this silent? Ever? Think back to the Seattle days. Usually, Russ is a guy that will get in front of the media and be the face of a franchise from Tuesday through Sunday, right? When have we ever seen Russell Wilson this silent? When have we ever seen Russell Wilson this invisible and not vocal? You realize that Russell Wilson is not even attempting to be seen as the face, the voice, the personality of this team? Because no attempt is being made. Sean, because we heard him when he said, stop being a politician and trying to kiss babies. Mm-hmm. Why? Because Sean Payton has come to put himself as the face of a franchise. Mm-hmm. Correct. Correct. Now, my only contribution on this on this topic, right? I told you that, that you didn't want me tonight. You know, you thought you wanted me to. No, 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 no. I tell I, you I, you didn't want me. I, 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 I very good. I very good with everything that you just said because I wish Sean Payton was coaching the Chicago Bears, the Tennessee Titans, the Las Vegas Raiders, a team that I have little affinity for. He could even go coach AJ's Patriots, a team that I absolutely despise. The reason, no, but the, the reason that I will want him at one of these places outside of where I live is because I have to be surrounded by fans that are invested in this team, right? I remember how Sean Payton left my seats. And I know the struggles that we've had since he's left because we still can't get Pete Carmichael Jr. out of my building. But at the same time, I can't feel bad that this is happening because this is what you get. This is this is how you pay for your sins. This is what you sign up for. Yes, exactly. You decided that you didn't want to be with us anymore. We had a top defense. 
But because our quarterback was gone, our quarterback retired, and you did nothing to put a replacement in place, a la Green Bay, and what they have done with every quarterback that they've had since Brett Favre. I mean, it might be a little bit questionable how it's working right now with John Love, but that's another topic for another day. You did nothing. Our, our backup plan was Taysom Hill. And then you decided that you were going to jump ship and go to Denver. You're coming to Denver, who has a good running back, just like what you left behind. They had good wide receivers, maybe a little bit better than what you left behind. And you have now done everything to say that this is not your fault. But when we look at the situation, yes, Russ looks a little bit better. But the team is struggling, and you're doing absolutely nothing to fix it. So whose fault is it, Mr. Payton? The, the fans didn't want Vance Joseph back. You brought him back. And now you're going to say, eventually, that Vance Joseph is the problem because the defense is not playing well. When the offense can't put drives together to keep the defense off the field and let them get some... Okay, we, I'm not even going any further with that. Pain and fix the mess. That's all you got to do. So, fellas, we, in our chat, Ricky, you, you brought up something that I thought was brilliant and I thought that we should bring it to the people. You know, everybody in the dog just got a power ranking when mm -hmm. these things are happening. I would love my power ranking to be a little bit different, but <laughs> my Saints found a way to lose a game in Green Bay that I had no right losing. But when you lose the quarterback, that's the sort of thing that could happen as well. So, top five. After five, five weeks are down, so we're going to go around the board and talk about our top five. So, Ricky, as you mm -hmm. are the progenitor of this concept, we'll come to you first. Who is your top five after five? Yes, uh, after five weeks, I think we're kind of starting to see, you, you know, we, we separate, separating the sheep from the goat, if you will. Um, no question, the San Francisco 49ers are who we thought they were and probably a bit more. Tell, um, tell, tell that again again. Say it, say it the, one the, more time the, again. The reality of it is that every <laughs> single phase of the game, the understanding, not just the offensive philosophy, which has been exported throughout the league, but a defense that, you know, when it is required, they will punch you in the mouth and you don't even know if you have teeth left, which is what they did. To Dallas on Sunday night. So we don't question 49ers at one. The Eagles, um, easy to slot in at number two because they're undefeated and they have tush-pushed their way into <laughs> position two. Um, they have some issues. Their offense does not look as efficient as it was last year. Um, their defense, in fairness, doesn't look as, as strong either. The reality of it is you... See, you've seen some teams in five weeks play the Eagles and able they are able to move the ball on that Eagles team um, a lot easier than they were. But again, a lot of young faces, so that will happen. Um, in third place, some of you may not have heard of this team. It's called the Swifts. The Swifts, <laughs> and if you don't mean a vehicle made by Suzuki or Inchcape in, in uh, this part of the world. But anytime a brand <laughs> associated with Taylor Swift can take over the identity of a team like what we've seen after five weeks. I refer to the Kansas City Swifts as team number uh, three. As a gentleman told me today, it feels as if Kansas City leaves home 
with some of their fans wearing um, black and white stripes. So we will monitor that. Um, the Bills, really, this one kind of bothered me because I, I I am not 100% sure what the Bills bring to the party. But I'm going to put them in position four by default. And I stress that by default. And on respect for the head coach, I will put the Ravens. I know that's going to be the controversial one on my side especially after I saw them find a way to drop the football seven different times, three of which were in the end zone against the Pittsburgh Steelers and somehow lose that game. So I will openly admit that position five is highly debatable. Um, I, I, I put the Ravens to hold that spot right now. Yeah, Aguilar had a, a ridiculous one, Andrews as well. Bateman really needs to go on the practice squad, if you ask me. OBJ is just getting in cardio and doing some advertising. It, it is actually, I'm actually talking myself out of it. So, sir, I'm going to make an executive <laughs> decision. I'm going to remove the Ravens from position for you of my own ranking. And I'm going to put the, the, um, the kneecap biting. Thank you. Ann Campbell, Detroit Lions, David Montgomery, 22 carries, 100 yards in the touchdown. I'm going to put the Lions in position for you. What am I doing? <laughs> All right, AJ, we're going to come to you next on this one. So, what's your five? All right, so, um, coming in at number one should be no surprise. The Niners are the best team in the NFL. I'm not going to go into more detail. They're at number one. I have the Eagles at number two, again, obviously because of their record. Like, And again, not all 5 and ones are made the same. I don't think the Eagles 5-0 and the Niners 5-0 and are even close, but 5-0 is 5-0. and uh, That's the point. So, I'll put them in number two. Um, yeah, because I don't have the Swifts there. No, no, no. I didn't. I didn't mention the Swifts. No Swifts. Um, I actually have the Lions at number three. Wow. Because I feel like this team is clicking a lot better than even I thought. Like I, I kind of like we all expected the Lions to be the team to take this division at this point. But the offense is rolling, and I don't think it's a case where, like, they just were without the the number one receiver last week. And they still scored 42 points. Defensively, I mean, there's still some chinks in the armor, but they're still holding their own defensively as well. Like they, they, they're looking like a, a strong enough unit on both sides of, of the ball. Definitely in the trenches, Aiden Hutchinson is giving it. Like I, I, I really like this kid. You know? I really like this kid. Anyway, um, I just think the Lions are outside of that blip that they had in week two against the Seahawks. I, I mean, let's be honest. They, they still probably will lose a game because they're not a, like a 17-0 team. But I, I put them at number three just because their offense seems so explosive. And I feel like that's not getting talked about enough. And the resurgence of Jared Goff. I, at number four, I put Kansas City just because look, the fact of the matter is they, they are on the hottest winning streak in the NFL right now. Outside of the top, the, the, the 5-0 teams. Sorry. Outside of the 5-0 teams. But they have actually won four in a row after that week one slip up at home. I know they're not winning pretty, and that's kind of the reason why I gave the Lions over the, the, the edge over them. They've been grinding out wins, um, but sometimes it's, that's where you got you have to do it. fact of the matter is they're 4-1. They've won four in a row now. And as the reigning Super Bowl champs, like I feel like this is going under the radar as well just because of... I mean, <clears throat> we know what they could eventually become. That, that's, that's the scary thing about this team and the thing that I do not like. Like the regular season kind of means nothing to me, but the fact that they're picking up so much momentum, like I, yeah, I'll put them at four. 
Um, and then in fifth place was the stinking Miami Dolphins. <laughs> Just because I think... Uh, I don't want to talk too much about the Dolphins. Though. But <laughs> look, the Dolphins are still... They're not... They're not the best team in the NFL, as Ken claimed it was, what, a couple of weeks back? This was fluid. But... <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was. It certainly was. Sir. Well played. Well played. No, but they're definitely one of the top five teams with the offense. Um, I mean, obviously, the defense isn't bad either. Well, no, you know what? It's not terrible, but it's still bad. It's, it's bad, but it's not terrible. Um, but I think just because of how explosive their offense is, they have to be included because I, because I, for the life of me, cannot find someone else to put there to replace them. <laughs> Funny how that happens. It's true. So, so Justin, give us your five. I mean, you're going to see a common thread throughout my five, right? And I keep saying, you, you know me, football games are won in the trenches. And when you see how most of these five are built, it's because of their line play. So let's start with the obvious, San Francisco 49ers. Where I cannot right now, and it's not because they're unbeaten, but I don't see a exploitable weakness right now. Like for me, maybe the secondary, maybe the weakest part. But reality situation, the the question mark of this entire team is the quarterback, and the quarterback right now is playing as an MVP caliber type of player simply because of how this team is built. I'm not going to go over it, but they built the team the right way from the lanes out. And that interchangeable way of they can put anybody anywhere because all of them do the same thing from George Kittle to Debo Samuel to, to um, Christian McCaffrey, Kyle Hughes-Chat. All of them are interchangeable parts. You can put them anywhere and they run after the catch game. So they won't go on. San Francisco coordinators are clear class of the NFL, not just the NFC. Two, Philadelphia Eagles, not just because they're unbeaten, but like, they find ways to win. I will see the defense last year was overrated. I told people that defense is predicated on turning over the football. And if you can bully them at the line of scrimmage and not turn over the football, you have a chance because they can't stop the run. I think a lot of the inconsistencies that you're seeing right now is because they didn't lose just Shane Steichen um, as their offensive coordinator, but they also lost Jonathan Gannon as their defensive coordinator. So there will be changes and some hiccups that will follow. And they lost a lot of defensive capital in free agency. So this is to be expected. But I think they will win the, the NFC East. But I just think San Francisco will get past them if they have to match up. Match up. Like Ricky said, I'm going to go with Taylor Swift at number three. Um, again, no lane of scrimmage. Just like San Francisco, just like Philadelphia have great lane of, uh, lanes. Kansas City Chiefs have realized no. Moving on from all these explosive weapons, they had to change their style of play. And while you're seeing now the emergence of Isaiah Pacheco is not by accident. They no longer have a Tyreek Hill. They don't have all these other speed options. So what do they do? Control clock. Dominate offensive lane, dominate defensive lane. We're going to run the football. And then when we can't do that, then we'll find holes with Travis Kelsey. And Isaiah Pacheco is quickly coming on. I know that's one of Ricky's favorite players. Indeed. And not only on the offensive lane, slowly but surely, is what's gone on the radar. Radar, sorry, is how good Kansas City is defensively. And again, that starts on the defensive lane of scrimmage with Chris Jones. Chris Jones is arguably, even for a man that just got paid, one of the most underrated defenders in the entire league. 
he single-handedly wrecks offensive game plans. I can go on and on, but the Kansas City Chiefs at three for the Detroit Lions. And again, once again, the Detroit Lions, where we were all laughing at, at um, their head coach, what was their head coach slowly but surely doing? Building the team from the lanes and heading out. Yes, they traded for Jared Goff and that got all the major head lanes, but slowly but surely when Cincinnati passed up a peninsula to go after Jamar Chase, what did they do? They said, oh no, Peninsula can't go past us. The next draft, what did they do? Aiden Hutchinson. Slowly but surely, they continue to build from the lanes. Oh, I know you're seeing it. Their offense is not so prolific just because they have all these weapons, including um, Amon Ross and Brown, who AJ mentioned they scored 42 points for though, and that's because they have arguably the best offensive lane outside of probably San Francisco and, and Philadelphia. Their offensive lane moves mountains. So they can run the football, they can pass, protect, they can do whatever. And with Dayton Hutchinson now, that defensive lane is starting to become a problem. The Detroit lanes are for real. They still need to do some work on the linebacking core and in the secondary, but that defensive lane. And fifth, I'm going to go like um, AJ and go to Miami Dolphins. I think a lot of us kind of overreacted on that loss to Buffalo. Yes, they got their asses handed to them. But again, it's a division rival. Like, these things happen. It's like we can't forget about what the trap meet that their offense is, and that's not going to go away anytime soon. The players are still there. I know they suffered a huge injury to their running back, but Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle are still there. And to a time of below, we'll find ways to get them the football, and they don't. He doesn't have to push the ball down the field, get them and let them have run after catch. My reason for not pushing the Dolphins any higher, though, I am. That defense is not going to win them play games in the playoffs when it comes time. Like when you are match up against good teams, especially good teams that can run the football, no, like the Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> Weird that we are saying that, no. But when you are matched up against good teams, when the Baltimore Ravens come home against you, like that, those defensive deficiencies that you have are going to, yeah, they're going to be problematic when it gets cold. And Miami has a problem winning games outside of <laughs> of the Sunshine State. So yeah, I go. Four Niners, Eagles, Swifts, Lions, and the Dolphins. All right. So you'll see that my list and Justin's list, that's exactly the same. I just switched the name on the um, on the caption, and that was it. Because Four Niners are dominant. That that goes for saying. They, they have dominated every game that they've played. The Eagles, they have the most unstoppable player in, in the league. This season, you expect the competition, competition committee is going to do something about that next season. But for now, the, what they call it, the brotherly sneak or the touch push, whichever way you want to call it, those, that is the play that they could run all game if they wanted to and they could get first downs and score touchdowns. They don't have to do anything more complicated than that. Kansas City Chiefs, they're not looking the same because they don't have the same kind of weapons on the outside. But Patrick Mahomes is still Patrick Mahomes, and he's still making it happen. And Travis Kelsey, he can be on one and a half knees, and he'll still score touchdowns. So the Kansas City Chiefs, I'm not calling them the Swifts. You does for y'all guys. The Kansas City Chiefs belong in number three. Number four, the Lions. The Lions have had probably the most explosive offense in the NFL since Dan Campbell has been there. This is not a one-season wonder. They have been putting up points consistently 
And then the defense has also been coming on. Justin, you spoke about the lines. I don't need to get back into that. AJ, you mentioned Aiden Hutchison. I don't have to get back into that either. The Lions is legit. And everybody, not just the NFC, but everybody should be paying attention to what's happening in Detroit. And then the Dolphins have the fastest offense in, in the league. That goes without saying. And speed kills. We saw what happened against Denver. And, well, they weren't quite able to do it against Buffalo. But then they were right back at it again this weekend. So, yeah, we, we cannot ignore what Miami is doing. And on the day, they can take anybody. But, as I said, this is 5 out of 5. And after 5 weeks, we have 2 teams that are undefeated. That are 5-0. We have a couple teams that are 4-1. and And they are on this list. And then there's a whole bunch of teams that are 3-2. and two, Including my Saints. Who should be 4-1. But I'm not going back into that. <laughs> so, that is, that is it, fellas. For specifically for our NFL conversation. Um, we're not too far away from the usual time that we like to cut this off, but there's a conversation that we needed to have, which is this thing about loyalty. And this came up primarily because of what happened with one Damian Lillard, who wanted out, it seems, or should I say, in fact, let me phrase it this way. Let's let's have a proper recap of history with what happened with one Mr. Damian Lillard. Lillard said, I want help. Get me help. The team said, sure, we'll get you help. And then didn't use the draft picks to get him help and brought him more youngsters, making the team not what he needed to be competitive. Leonard then says, well, since he didn't give me what I wanted, get me out of here. And then they were like, sure, we'll get you out of here. And he's like, get me to Miami. And they were like, well, hold on a second. Because you're telling everybody that you only want to go to Miami and you're scuppering our leverage. So we're not getting you to Miami. And then he's like, well, if you're not going to send me to Miami, but I'll come back. And the GM was like, nah, dog. We already had this conversation. You are leaving this place. There were reportedly some expletives that were said that I will not repeat because this is a family show. So <laughs> Damian Leonard had no choice but to find himself now over Justin in Milwaukee. There's a bad joke that is going around that Lillard decided that, you know, he was done with being loyal to everything because, you know, his um, family situation is another matter that I'm not going to touch on. I'm just giving you what's being said. If it ain't snowing, I ain't going. (laughs) (laughs) So, so fellas, like, we hear a lot of talk about loyalty. And I will posit my thought quickly and then we'll go around so you fathers can say what you have to say loyalty only matters when the organization wants it to matter it matters to us the fans because unfortunately we fans are loyal (laughs) teams will be good teams will be bad we might still buy a jersey if we like how it looks if it's we're talking about football the nfl jerseys really don't change that much but we will support the team whether they're good or they're bad, whether they they sell our favorite player or or not, we will be there in the rain and in the sunshine because unlike Justin, I'm not going nowhere when it's snowing, but we will be there to support our teams. But the players themselves, 
the players can't get caught up on loyalty because loyalty doesn't get them paid. These teams will love these players to be loyal and give them hometown discounts and, and those kinds of things just so that they can, one, keep putting the money in their pockets and two, build a roster that makes them, the owners and the GMs and, and front office, feel good that the team actually could be competitive even though we, the fans, may be upset of the composition of the team. When is the organization's turn to show loyalty to these same players? Oftentimes, that does not happen. A player gets injured, he gets cut. A player decides that he needs whatever, or he needs to see more from the organization. In the case of Lillard, that doesn't happen. But then they get branded as trainers when they decide, well, you are not giving me what I need to be successful, and they want to go somewhere else to do this. Loyalty is a fallacy outside of us, the fans. It does not matter to organizations and it cannot matter to the players when the organization themselves does not have any loyalty to them. And this goes even further than just in these sports conversations because all of us work for somebody. We are not self-employed. And these companies also would love us to be loyal to them until the day that they decide they don't want us anymore and then they will usher us out the door so that is how i feel about this whole loyalty thing ricky your thoughts yes i i will i will say this i, I love this particular topic and i gotta frame it in the context that it depends on the sport because i think that different leagues and different sports have an inherent history. Baseball says we're going to fall in love with these particular players and we're going to build around these players and this person is going to be a Yankee for life and the tribalism of sports will dictate that if this person is a Yankee for life, then this person has to be a Red Sox for life and so on. So there's that history in baseball where they try, in fairness, to have certain bedrocks and legacy players. I think what the NBA has done is that we had a period where we kind of ushered in hired guns. We kind of said, okay, we're going to build a super team. We're going to uh, pair up with these guys and we're going to put three stars together and we're going to call it a super team. And then everybody just tried to out super team one another. So I think the NBA is a little different because the NBA said, you are either playing for lottery picks and young stars to win 18 to 20 games a season or you have established superstars and you just playing to be playing in June. So there's really, if you're in the middle ground, it's the worst place to be in the NBA. And because of one individual player can make a difference invariably in basketball, you get the sense of urgency coming from some of these NBA teams. Um, so I, I think that I, I agree with the statement that your players really don't have a vested interest to be loyal as they did in the past. The issue for me is that we have these things called fans. We have these jerseys. We go on fanatics and we order things based on the tribalism of our team. And it is because of that that we are so emotionally bothered when we see a player move or someone go to a team that we can't stand. Because now what you're saying to us is, we want you, the fans, to be loyal 
to the New York Jets. I mean, who, you, who else, you know, would actually be loyal to this team for so many years from first freshman year at Cornell University? I would have to be a, a certified psycho. But you're yes. asking me to be loyal to this for 20 plus years, right? But then it is okay when Elijah Moore says, yeah, I ain't getting the ball enough for you to hit him. Right? So what you get now is you get a butting of heads because then I start to ask, well, how are we going to be taken seriously if we can't build the wrong talent, if we can't get some kind of two-way direction to this whole concept of loyalty? So I do think it varies by sport because I will say there are sports that I am loyal to my teams and I can see that they're trying to have a core and build around it. And then there's sports where it's like, okay, well, back to the draft we go, back to the lottery we go, and you never feel as if there's loyalty on either side. I do think it, it does vary depending on the sport. Okay. What about you, Justin? I, it's a combination of both of y'all. So, like you said, um, Ken, loyalty is for fans. And that's where loyalty, as far as loyalty goes in sports. And we just have to understand and really accept what these teams tell us, that it is a business. And we can't just say it is a business for one side. It has to be a business for both. And it's a job like none other. And it's not even like a job like me and you, because you and I can stay in our jobs forever. Players, whatever sport, don't have that luxury. Players have earning potentials that are very short-lived compared to us. And the reality of the situation is, is like both sides are going to do the best for them. And I want to say this, right, for fans who complain about this player empower, empowerment era, right, where they complain, all oh, these players have all this power and take, take where they go and what they do. That's not the case for most players in most sports, huh? That is just the 1% in these particular sports, huh? Because while LeBron James and maybe James Harden and D Damian Lillard could dictate where they go and what they do, those aren't, they don't make up the, 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 the most of the league. They're not representative for the rest of the league. The rest of the league has to take whatever a team dictates. You feel Iman Shumpert could tell a team, hey, done this here, going, going here, like, that's it. Nobody want you. Well, we don't even want you. So, 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 so what was the, the great talk, man? Like, a, a player like that has to 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 to, to seed whatever your, your team is going to. You got totally lane. So people have to understand, like, oh my gosh, this player says he's sitting out, uh, or, or say he, 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 you know, trade demands or holding up for a contract. And then we keep, I, we, we talk, we get vexed as fans, but we don't ever bat an eye at the other direction. I'm going to show you what I mean. What happens, let's say, like a couple of years ago with Andre Drummond? You no longer want Andre Drummond's services. You know that he is viable to somebody else. So instead of risking him and getting injured, what do you do? You make him a healthy scratch. You sit him down on the bench. You don't play him even though he can play. And he can play for anyone. He's a valuable player, but you sit him down because you don't want him playing and getting injured because you want to trade him. Us as fans sit down and we don't bat him. We're cool with that. But then we have a problem when a player is holding out for money. Reality situation. And then also we have to look at these jobs as jobs not even like our own because these players attract billions of dollars and are paid cents on the dollar in which they generate. And I'll give you the perfect example in LeBron James. I am sure all of you are aware 
of the economic study that has been done whenever LeBron James is playing in Cleveland. What he means not to the team, to the city of Cleveland in terms of economic value. How much money that man drives around the entire city. His salaries, well, in Cleveland, the second time around would have been what? 40, 50 something million per season. That does not come close to his true economic worth within the team and the city itself. So while we laugh and scoff at these exorbitant salaries, they are still not being paid their true economic worth because we're still talking about millionaires driving money for billionaires. And that's the reality situation. These owners, right, in these respective sports, outside of the buses that own the Lakers, are not rich because of these teams. They are rich in spite of these teams. They can afford, if the league collapses, most of these owners are like, right, yeah, whatever. This is just a toy. This is just a trinket. This is just an additional income for me. This is not a soul for the players. And you have to understand that the revenue that these players drive, is, they are earning every cent that they're worth and sometimes probably not. There's no loyalty. You can't ask a player to be loyal to something because this is their job. Same way you're not going to be loyal to the company you work for. Don't expect a player to be loyal. And the same way in which a team with an underperforming player or a player that they feel they can, they're paying too much and they're not seeing the terms of the impact in team wins and they can get younger for less money, they're going to do it. Loyalty stops at fans in sports. And, and we have to understand that anything else, like the owners like to say, it's just a business. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Jay, last word on this loyalty conversation. So if, if I may go back a bit, right? So this entire thing came up because I was the one that that brought to the chat the fact that um, Drew Holiday's wife made a statement. And I could mm -hmm. not understand her reason yeah, for yeah. doing so, right? Right. And after it was explained to me, like, I, I understand where she's coming from. The fact that these players get so invested within the communities in which they play, especially when they are at these organizations for a long time, that... You know, it, obviously, they take it very personally when they are, like, essentially pushed out of that community, right? The, the, so the, the, the thing about it is that, let me preface this by saying I, I completely understand why people feel that way, why families feel that way, and, and, and all of that. But to, 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 to kind of go back to Justin's point, and this is where I completely agree, there's no such thing as loyalty in sports. I, ex except for us fans that that we put we put this on this because we've been indoctrinated into this from the time we're young like it, it, it's kind of like yeah you support you pick one team and you support a team through and through no matter what but I, I, like justin said that that's that's where it ends that's where the line is drawn this is all a business this is entertainment the 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 rich white men who own these teams are trying to make more money for themselves and the players who play are trying to make money for themselves, trying to build some sort of like generational wealth, or in some cases, they're just trying to be rich now and, and piss it all away. Essentially, this is all a business transaction, and it, it really doesn't matter. Like the, the, the whole loyalty aspect is it, it's a fallacy. It, it you the players are good to the organization, or, or it, it feels like there's some kind of loyalty going on, which which might be. Which might more so just be good faith, goodwill. That, that, that's more of a moral something, right? But the reality is, this is all predicated on who can make money for the organization. Like, 
I know people look at like take your beloved Yankees for example. People look at oh well, you know, well, Derek Jeter was mm-hmm. loyal to the Yankees and A Rod was loyal to. Nah, you know how much money them boys used to bring in. You know how much money them boys as as brands used to bring in. To, yeah, and just just the fact that that they used to look a certain way too. I, I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure as Yankee fans, y'all know y'all know about the, the Yankees hair cone and all that, right? That yes. You can't have beards and all sort of things. Yes. Right. I mean. Come on, this is this is all a business transaction. You basically say, yeah, well, you have to cut your hair to work here. It don't matter who you are, it, but but you're you're going to bring in money, but you will abide by these rules because this is a. And that, that's that's all this thing ever ever will be. Like there's no, no such thing as though. And the, the the only place I disagree with you, Ricky, is that I don't think that this. Oh, well, I know you were speaking more uh, on the as well, but I don't think that it varies in any sport. I think that. In, in any single sport, in any, it is a business transaction, and the players mm-hmm. are only good, uh, or, or uh, um, they're only relevant to the, the the GMs and these owners when they are bringing in money. Like I, I don't even I don't even care about the trophies thing, like because the the tro- okay, I think the we. The appeal of trophies is to bring money as well. Okay. He said. All right, so we are losing AJ again. Mm-hmm. AJ, are you there? I can say something. I am here. Let's actually. see. I am here. I am here. Okay, yeah. So we can hear you again. So you were saying your your last point just now was on the trophies. That was the last thing that we were we were hearing. Oh, I was just saying that the the trophies went because because they bring money as well like the, at the end of the day the outcome is income and that is all that matters from whatever side okay understood so, well we're glad that we were able to get your last bit in um because last week well we lost you right at the end of the episode so at least we can still see your face you can still hear your voice even if it may have a little bit of a delay but we have spent a, we spent quite a while i mean there's a lot more that we could say on this loyalty discussion we didn't get an opportunity to go back and forth on it because, well, time is well spent. So, as we get out of here, Justin, tell the folks where they can find you. Um, guys have been um, discussing and deliberating over return, and I feel eventually it's just short and coming. I cannot tell you exactly yet, but hashtag this just in, real this just in, know that Matt Skellerman is no longer at ESPN and his show has followed suit. Real this just in, whenever we return, we are in Monday YouTube live streaming show at um i want to say um 8 p.m eastern 7 p.m central whenever we return uh we will get back there at some point for short form content again hashtag this just in we are on twitter we are on facebook and we are on instagram indeed so follow us on those platforms and when we are about to return you will see those dates all right now what about you ricky where can the folks find you Yes, Ricky underscore nurse, generally on Instagram, also on Twitter, but I'm not as much of a nuisance on Twitter as some of the others might be. <laughs> and uh, I'm definitely uh, loving what you guys are doing this season. Um, loving the commitment to content, because at the end of the day, that's what works. So anytime that you all need me, I am here. All right. Well, we're very glad to hear that. And we will definitely be having both of you gentlemen on again in the future. Maybe not too far from now. 
So, yeah, this has been the Green Beach Podcast. Um, we do have the primetime picking that's going on still. Um, prizes will be announced shortly. So, for those who have been involved in the picking, well, that's good because you might be in the, in the running for something. Those of you who have not been in the picking, get picking because you never know. You might be able to overtake somebody and get yourself up into the price or the prizes, depending on, on what we're able to cobble together. This is still a small operation, but we are hoping that those of you who have spent your time with us, that you will definitely spread the word, tell a friend, hit the notification bell, like this video so that whenever we are on, that you will be able to join us. In terms of the time, it is 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central, 6 p.m. in the Mountain Time Zone, 5 p.m. for those of you on the Pacific Coast. We thank you for whatever time you've been able to spend with us. And we will definitely be seeing you again next week. So again, thank you very much, Justin. Thank you very much, Ricky. We are very glad that you could join us today. And as always, for the Green Mist Podcast, well, since he's been back, that is AJ. He is the Green. I am Ken, I am the Beige, and we will see you next time.